And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. It is so exciting to have you tuned in to this podcast that is dedicated to the teaching of the Word of God. And uh, if you enjoy Sunshine USA, then you need to tell others about Sunshine USA so that they can listen as well. Because as I've said before many times, if you enjoy this program, if you enjoy this Bible teaching ministry, you probably know someone else that would enjoy it as well. And really, you're the best publicity we have as far as getting word out about this exciting Bible teaching ministry called Sunshine USA. And of course, we are available worldwide on many different platforms. Uh, you can get us on Google Podcasting and uh, Apple Podcasting, Spotify, uh, just to name a few of the platforms that we're on in addition to Anchor FM. And uh, right now we are doing a series of Bible studies on uh, the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark uh, probably came out with one of the first Gospels about Jesus, the first of four. Um, And, of course, Mark has a very interesting history. Many of you will recall that Mark, who also went by the title of John Mark, uh, he went with Paul on that first missionary journey. Now, for some reason, for some reason, John Mark deserted Paul on that first missionary journey. He abandoned the mission trip and went back home. Um, Now, we also know that John Mark was the nephew of Barnabas, who was Paul's primary partner on that first missionary journey. Uh, Now, why did John Mark leave Paul on that first missionary journey? Well, I suspect it could have been a case of homesickness. It could have been any number of things. Uh, He was probably not as strong a Christian then as he would later become. Now, when it came time to go on that second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted Paul to take John Mark with them on that second missionary journey. Paul said, no way. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. I'm not going to give Mark a, a second opportunity to desert us. And Paul stood his ground, and as a result, Barnabas took uh, John Mark, and they did their own missionary journey. And that meant that Paul had to get someone else to go with him. He got uh, Silas. But later, we see that apparently John Mark decided to grow a lot spiritually. Because you see, toward the end of Paul's ministry... Paul was actually seeking Mark. He was trying to get word to Timothy, to get word to Mark, come and help me, because he said John Mark had proven himself to be very useful, Paul, during the final leg of his journey, as far as uh, working for the Lord is concerned. And so it appears that everything got all patched up between Paul and Mark. You know, Mark was one of those young ministers He didn't start so well, but he ended well. Now, unfortunately, I've known many ministers in my lifetime, and you probably have too. I've known many ministers that started out well, but they didn't end well. 
And that's always sad as well. So the most important thing we can do as ministers of the gospel and as Christians, the most important thing we can do is spend as much time every day in the Word of God as we can and, and learn to pray and seek the will of God. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to get out your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. Now, what we're talking about here comes after the temptation of Jesus which we covered on a previous broadcast. And now we find that Jesus is about 30 years old. His earthly ministry is about to begin. Um, we find that up to this point, he had spent probably the last 12 years or so being a carpenter in his father's carpenter shop. Now I say his father's carpenter shop, it was Joseph's carpenter shop. Joseph was really not the dad, but the stepdad of Jesus. And for about 12 years, uh, Jesus worked in the carpenter shop. Why was this? Well, it appears about the time that Jesus was 12 or 13 years old, Joseph died. Now, under Jewish law, under Jewish law, um, Jesus would inherit the responsibility of taking care of his mother. And uh, that meant that Jesus, like many of us, he had to get up in the morning, every morning, and go to work, earn a living. And in this case, the living that he made was that of being a carpenter. Joseph was a carpenter, now he was going to be a carpenter. And I'm sure that Jesus made some great products, great things, reasonable prices, and he worked for 12 years, over a decade, and apparently was so resourceful with the money that he made, in 12 years' time, he made enough for his mother to have enough money to live on for the rest of her life. And, of course, back then, they didn't have government programs like we do now. You see, when uh, a man died in those days, the wife was all of a sudden without an income, without a means of support, and it wasn't anywhere near as easy for a woman to go out and get a job as it was a man. And that's why either the husband or the eldest son in this case had the job and responsibility of taking care of the mother. Now bearing in mind this was all provided for in the law of Moses. And we note that Jesus was under the law of Moses at this particular time. I mean, even though the New Testament seemingly has already begun here, the Old Testament system of worship was still in place. You'll notice, and we'll notice this probably even more next week, or, or next time in this broadcast, but we'll notice how Jesus, when he went around preaching, he went into the different temples and the synagogues. They were worshiping that way back then, just like they did in the Old Testament. So there you have it. But now Jesus is 30 years old, and he's about to embark on a three-year earthly ministry before he is crucified on the cross and raises from the dead. Okay, now, 
With that in mind, let's go to verse uh, 14 here. It says, Now after that, John was put into prison. John was put into prison. Now that's John the Baptist. Now we talked about how John the Baptist was actually the forerunner of Jesus. He came to prepare the way for Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he had quite a ministry. Now John the Baptist, as you might expect, whenever he went around preaching, he made enemies. And when members of King Herod's family did things that they weren't supposed to be doing, John was not afraid to call them on the carpet. Of course, now that was a dangerous thing to do in those days. Because uh, if you got mad at the king, if you took issue with the king, guess what? The king had you thrown into prison. And that's exactly what happens here. John is thrown into prison. Can you imagine how that must have felt? I mean, here he was. He was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Now Jesus' earthly ministry has begun, and yet John the Baptist can't really enjoy the teaching ministry of Jesus because he's locked up in prison. And, of course, we know through uh, church history and church tradition, we know that John the Baptist was eventually, soon after this, beheaded. His head was chopped off. He paid an enormous price for being a Christian. I believe that one day here in America, we're going to start paying a heavy toll, a heavy price for being a Christian. To some degree, we've already seen it this year during this COVID-19 crisis. We've seen where, you know, uh, some pastors have been arrested and locked up in jail because they dared have services in public at the church. And up until this year, I thought we would never see that in this country, but it's happened. And I think this persecution, by the way, in years to come, is actually going to get worse. And it's going to, it's going to become more widespread. Now, here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I live, South Carolina has been a great state to live in during this pandemic. We have a governor who respects the church very much and is not restricted what the church can do. Churches have been able to pretty much make their own decision about what to do. Some churches have held services online. Others have had outdoor services in the parking lot. Um, I'm a member over at the San Susi Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And throughout most of this summer, we have been meeting in the church parking lot. Now, starting next Sunday, not tomorrow, but next Sunday, November 1st, our church will resume meeting in person in the church auditorium. But each pastor in this state has had the freedom to decide what is best for their church. Not every governor, however, has been as reasonable as the governor has been here in South Carolina. But I'm afraid that the day is coming when we will face in this country more and more persecution. And if you're living in another country right now listening to this broadcast, you may not have all the freedoms in your country that we have in this country. That is so sad. 
Okay, now let's read on. It says, uh, Now after that, John was put into prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, just as Jesus gets down to serious business here and preaches the gospel, I would say even so, this is the mission of the church today. We are to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a church may have a number of activities and ministries scheduled throughout the week and throughout the month and throughout the year, but the most important thing that a church ever does is to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, every activity, every ministry within the church should be with the idea of telling other people about Jesus Christ, how that Jesus loved them. He died on the cross for their sins. He has a wonderful plan for their life. In fact, if your church, for example, has a, a food pantry ministry, as our church does, the San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina, one of the reasons we have that ministry is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just as we are interested in helping to meet their physical need, the need for food, we're also interested in getting into their hands the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ can change them for the better. Amen. But we also see where Jesus begins to recognize that this work of preaching the gospel is such a big task that nobody could do it by themselves. And so he begins calling other disciples. And so let's see how that looks. It says in verse 16, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, then he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left the father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Now what we see here is the beginning of Jesus calling his disciples. All total, he would call 12 disciples. He would call 12 disciples. These men would be working with Jesus very closely for the next three years. In effect, Jesus would tell them everything he knows, and then some. Amen. I mean, can you imagine what a wonderful opportunity that was? They worked with Jesus. They listened to Jesus preach. They helped Jesus do the work of God. They lived together. They ate together. They had fellowship together. And I cannot begin to imagine what a wonderful 
experience that was. In fact, one of them would go on to say that had all the books been written about Jesus that could be written, man, he said, the world itself could not contain them all. Amen. Amen. And so we find that Jesus here is calling disciples. He recognizes that this job of preaching the gospel, it's not a one-man show. He needs help. He recognizes that the preaching of the gospel is a team effort, not a one-man effort. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that you could reach the world for Jesus Christ all by yourself. Because I'm here to tell you, you can't. If Jesus felt that he needed assistance, even more so, you and I need assistance getting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here at Sunshine USA, the ministry is still relatively young. I mean, I've been doing this now on the internet for about eight years, actually a little over eight years. And basically, I'm the only one working at Sunshine USA, and even I don't draw a salary. Now, I, I can dream of the day when one day Sunshine USA will be big enough to have a ministry that we will have several people working for us every day of the week. I think that would be grand and glorious. Amen. Because even I recognize that this thing of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not a one-man thing. It's a team effort. It has to be a team effort. It's everybody getting in there and doing their part. Amen. You know, the sad thing is, they say that in many churches, about 80% of the work is done by about 20% of the people. Can you imagine how ineffective that is? Can you imagine if 100% of the members each did their own part, each carried their own fair share of the load, can you imagine how much more the church would be able to do? Amen. <laughs> so here Jesus is calling these disciples because he knows he needs help getting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me also point out that there's something that each one of these men had to do in order to be a disciple. They had to be willing to give up everything else. They had to give up their occupations. They had to leave their families. Like we had some disciples here that had to leave their dad. And they had to go and follow Jesus. Uh, this thing of serving the Lord, this thing of working in the gospel ministry, it actually requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. It requires giving up some things for the sake of getting out the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have so much respect for men and women who were serving around the world as foreign missionaries, working in foreign, strange countries, getting out the gospel.
And in so doing, they have to leave home. They have to leave the good old United States of America, and they have to live in another country amongst people that live very differently from the way they live. And I've always thought about the incredible sacrifice that that requires. But yet, here they are, willing to do it, because of their love for Jesus and their desire to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another thing I want you to know is that each of these men had a decision to make. Okay, it's, it's true Jesus called them to be a disciple, but then, guess what? They had a decision to make. They had to decide, will I follow Jesus or will I not follow Jesus? And of course, even today, that is the single most important decision that a disciple makes, whether or not to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then when God issues a call for ministry, they have to decide, will I do that which God has called me to do, or will I do something else? Now, I always tell young ministers, and I know we have a number of young ministers listening to this podcast every single time we produce one, and I always tell them, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that you could do besides the gospel ministry. And there's a lot of occupations in this world that pay a lot better than being a preacher. But I cannot think of a more rewarding work or a more rewarding way that you could live than by getting out the life-saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. I will say this, if all you want to do in life is see how much money you can make, don't go into the ministry because you're going to be disappointed. The gospel ministry is not a place to get rich. But if you have a desire to live for the Lord, if you have a desire to live for the Lord and do the work of God, then I cannot think of a better, more productive thing than you could do than that of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. I I, I want you to know up front, it's not going to be easy. I got a letter just the other day from a young man that's just beginning to enter into the ministry. In fact, this fall, he has just started college to begin the journey, preparing himself for the ministry. And one of the things I shared with him was the fact that it's not easy going into the ministry. I told him, I said, I think you're going to find this is the hardest thing you ever tried to do. But it's also going to end up being the most worthwhile thing that you could possibly do as well. That of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then I want you to notice in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day... And they entered into the synagogue and taught. Now I want you to notice they went into the synagogue 
and taught on the Sabbath day. Now, realize and understand, these disciples, along with Jesus, they are still under the law of Moses. They still worship on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, not Sunday, and and they are worshiping in the temple and in synagogues, not in what we today would call the church. So even though it seems that the New Testament has begun, the people in the Gospels, for the most part, were still under the law of Moses, and this would continue to be so up until we get to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's just an important thing to take note of. Verse 21, And they went into Capernaum and straightway into the Sabbath day and entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. <laughs> you know, Jesus was like no other preacher, no other teacher they had ever heard before. And they definitely realized, you know what? He's not like one of the scribes. He's not like the Pharisees. Boy, he is so different. And no doubt they were seeing all kinds of great and exciting things accomplished. Let's read on. And there was in their synagogues a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Woo! <laughs> Can you imagine that? That unclean spirit, he comes out of that man, he obviously tears this man's clothing on the way out. And it says here the people were astonished. And I'm sure if you and I had been witnessing all this, guess what? We would be astonished too. Now, you know, we get a little bit uneasy when we start talking about Jesus casting out devils. But this is something Jesus actually did a lot of in his ministry. Now, I will say this. I can't say that I've ever cast out a devil. Um, I, I can at least say casting out devils is not basically what God has called me to do, but I will say this. Demonic power is real. Demons are real. The power of Satan is real. I mean, seriously. All of this is real. And in fact, Satan is so much more powerful than you and I are. And where you and I get tripped up, where you and I get set up for a fall is where we fail to realize just how powerful Satan is, or if we begin to think that we can tackle Satan ourselves. The only way you and I can defeat Satan, the only way you and I can have victory over Satan, is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and letting Jesus Christ do the fighting for us. Amen.
And then we read on and it says, uh, And they were all amazed, insomuch as they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Now it seems that at this point, Jesus has a ministry that is growing and spreading like wildfire. And, and notice something here. Jesus is doing this without Facebook. He's doing it without the internet. He's doing it without podcasting. <laughs> His fame is literally spreading throughout all the world, and especially throughout the region of Galilee. Now, i tell you something, folks. When you're doing the work of God, and you're doing the work of God the way God has told you to do it, guess what? People are going to take notice. They can't help but take notice. They can't help but see the fact that you're doing something great for God. And that's exactly what was happening here. Now, as we get into the next broadcast, we're going to begin seeing how Jesus does even more miracles. Now, one of the things we're going to notice over the next several broadcasts that we're going to be teaching out of the book of Mark, you're going to see that Mark puts a lot of emphasis on the miracles of Jesus. He puts a lot of emphasis on the miracles of Jesus. It's amazing how brief Mark is on some things, but he is very careful to mention the miracles of Jesus. For example, if we want to find out about the temptation of Jesus, we find that Matthew gives us a bigger account of that than Mark does. If we want to find out about the Great Commission. Once again, Matthew gives us a much bigger account of the Great Commission than Mark does. But Mark, for whatever reason, chooses to focus on the miracles of Jesus. And by the way, I have no trouble believing these were all literal miracles. These were real miracles. Among other things, Jesus was trying to show that indeed and in fact he was who he said he was, the living God. And, of course, our mission today as Christians, our, ministers, our mission today as ministers of the gospel is to show that indeed, in fact, even in our day, Jesus is who Jesus said he was. Amen. Well, this is uh, going to be a good stopping place for us, and we'll pick up next time where we left off this time. I do want to invite you to shoot me an email if you have any Bible study questions or any prayer requests or any praises to the Lord. I have two different email addresses where you can contact me. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. warrenlandis at gmail.com. And if you would like to send me a snail mail, 
I respond that way as well. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment Number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. Now, before you seal the envelope, I want you to be sure to hopefully include a few dollars to help us do the work of the ministry that God has called on us to do. <laughs> I will so appreciate it. Like I say, right now I'm the only employee here at Sunshine USA, and I don't get paid. I don't draw a paycheck for what I do. But I hope one day we'll have a staff of employees that will greatly expand what we're able to do for the Lord. So keep that in mind. Be sure to pray about this ministry. Be sure to pray for me as I continue to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere and everywhere I go. I need the prayers and you need to practice. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.